4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Football frenzy up in seconds. Let's do a giveaway right now. 364-1100-364-1100. Caller 7. These are, these are awesome tickets. All the tickets we give away for concerts are great, but this one's insane. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Stadium Tour, Poison, Joan Jett, alongside September 9th at Allegiant Stadium. Tickets go on sale in a couple of weeks. Check that. Not a couple of weeks. A week little over a week. Uh, tickets go on sale. You can get your own at Ticketmaster.com. That's Friday at 10 a.m. September 9th show, Allegiant Stadium. Two tickets, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison. Joan Jett, 364-1100, Caller 7, Ari will take care of the tickets. All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right, right out of the gates, very interesting news in college football. Arizona State, man, there's so many bad signs the last couple weeks. The OC walks about three weeks ago on Herm Edwards. The guy who takes the job is Glenn Thomas, the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach from UNLV. Kind of wondered at the time, must be a big boost because there's so much turmoil around Arizona State. Why would he take the job? And now uh, they've lost their starting quarterback, it appears. Jaden Daniels. Pretty good quarterback. You know, top 40 quarterback in the country, maybe top 30 quarterback in the country. Could certainly help another program if they've got a hole at the starting QB. Well, Jaden Daniels is going to be moving on from Arizona State. And I thought something else happened today that was sort of emblematic about how disorganized the program is right now. Now, if you don't know the history of what's happened at Arizona State, during the COVID season – they were discovered to have been recruiting illegally, bringing kids on campus when you weren't allowed to have kids on campus, walking to different events, unmasked, breaking the rules. And again, if you want to brush it off, like, ah, COVID, moment. Okay. Everyone was playing by one set of rules in terms of recruiting. You really weren't allowed to have kids around, potential recruits, and they did it. So Antonio Pierce, the now linebacker coach of the Raiders, was embroiled in this. So they're under this cloud for like two years. And like I said, I thought the worst thing that happened today was then one of the kids decides to, this is a Sun Devil player, decides to film a scene where other players are going into Jaden Daniels' locker and basically like rampaging through it and packing up his stuff and saying he doesn't want to be here, screw him. You know, and expletives and slurs. I mean, the quarterback leaving is bad. The cheating is bad. But kids being dumb enough to video themselves looking a bit out of control and then thinking that is online material, Herm, Herm's got to clean this up. He's This is getting crazy. Uh, Willie Ramirez is here. Willie, did you? I don't know if you saw the video. 
But obviously you saw the news that Jaden Daniels is leaving. It's another bad sign for Arizona State football. It is, and let me go back for a minute because I didn't see the video, but I heard that he was leaving. And you had said for these kids to think that it's okay for this footage to go viral, for these kids to think that it's okay to act like this regardless is if you want to send a message and say, hey, if he doesn't want to be here, then maybe call a team meeting, maybe call him in or something and and let him know that way. But – to act the way that you're acting and touch other people's personal belongings, this yeah. isn't, uh, you know, this isn't a workplace where you've offended some people or violated some people. Just because you've made it known that you want to leave doesn't give you the right to go infiltrate on other people's property. Yep. So it's, beyond- a, bad, it's, a, bad, it's a bad reflection of the team. What players want to come there? To me, the culture. 99% of the time, players have to be behind other players and – who knows what Jaden Daniels' reason is? I, I know this: the players who were involved on, you know, uh, pilfering or whatever, trashing his locker. Hey guys, you may want to leave at some point too. Does that mean you're disloyal or a scumbag? No. Everyone has their reasons for leaving or quitting a job or wanting a new spot. So stick together. I just, I, to me, that was that scene is terrible, and the look right now for Arizona State football is terrible. And then there's Michigan. Jim Harbaugh finally agrees to a deal. He's had a year ended, or excuse me, added to the end of the deal. He's now going to make over $7 million a year. Are you bothered by this after what Harbaugh did to Michigan right around signing day, interviewing with the Vikings? No. Absolutely not. I mean, you got, you're going to entertain interviews. You're going to entertain, you know, I mean, here's the thing is the, the – the speculation for the longest before that interview was Jim Harbaugh's coming to Las Vegas. I mean, it was almost like it was a, not a done deal, but it was, you know, I mean, what was it? The, the, the picture of the khakis and the, and the shoes in a private jet and coming to Las Vegas and the creation of this, this deal that he was leaving. Um, you know, who was that created by in the first place? So for him to just go entertain an interview, no, I'm not bothered by it because, you know, he, he decided to stay. And he made the announcement whenever it was that he said, I'm staying here. And now the the, the details of, of his contract comes out. He got paid. I don't think there was any leverage. I don't think there was anything like that. I don't think that he was just toying with Michigan by, you know, going and entertaining offers in the NFL. He did what you do. He wanted to hear, what, hear what's out there. You were once at the NFL. He doesn't have a history of doing this. He, he, went, he was in the NFL. He went to a Super Bowl. You know, um, he coached, obviously, one of the most controversial and polarizing figures in our era of the NFL. And he returned to Michigan. He did his job, produced a winning season, beat Ohio State. Now he's coming back. Be happy about it. I have no problem. I think it's preposterous, but it's also a necessity of college football. To stay ahead in recruiting, you have to keep extending coaches, and that's how programs get in so much fiscal trouble. But what sense does this make? Jim Harbaugh did not want to be there. We all know that. On National Signing Day two weeks ago, he got on a plane and went to Minnesota wanting that job for the reasons that we just heard. He wants to win a Super Bowl. I figure this was going to be part of Feinbaum's bit. Kind of the pro-Southern football deal, anti-Nathana. 
But in this case, he totally nails it. I think Jim Harbaugh is a good coach, but I also believe there are five or six guys they could hire. Now, it's, it's late in the game, and they would be in a lurch if they told Harbaugh to screw off. They should have. This desperation of schools with their football coaches, it's gotten so many schools in hot water. I mean, frankly, going back to a pedophile scandal that lasted 25 years with Joe Paterno protecting Jerry Sandusky, this we can't have anyone else coach our football program. You can. You can. You're Michigan. So they didn't have to extend Jim Harbaugh. They didn't have to. If he walks, then you, you, maybe you go with an interim for a year. That would suck. But the other thing is, I would offer the same exact contract. You know, here's $7.5 million a year for six years. What do you think, Matt Campbell? What do you think, Luke Fickle? What do you think, other coaching prospect? They should have, honestly, they should have held his feet to the fire because as Feinbaum points out, he's probably going to do it again next year. He wants to go back to the NFL. And he'll learn the lesson because he botched the he botched his chance this time at the NFL. That was his doing. He went with a weird attitude into these interviews, into these discussions, like, hey, I'm here. You're going to hire me, right? Like, no, it's a real interview, Jim. And we have some questions about how bizarre you were at times in San Francisco. So I, I, I think Michigan should have pushed it to the limit. Listen, you're going to work on this contract. You just interviewed for another job. Yeah, we'll bonus you if you're going to stay around, but we're not extending your deal, and we're not giving you more money. I'm not mad at him. He did what he did. He did. In today's you're right. World, he did what he did, yep. and Michigan should have done what it needed to do, and then we would have had a standoff, and then maybe he walks. I, I, I predicted he would walk, but I, I mean, I guess I should have known Michigan was going to freaking drop to their buckle. knees and go, yeah, whatever you want, Jim. Even, even, even though you just, you just cheated on us, basically. You had a one-night stand. Oh, please come back. Here's more money. We're sorry. We'll get better. Just completely ridiculous. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. A three is blocked by Mwoka and taken out of the air. Hamilton underneath to David. David out to Iwako. Pump fake. He got fouled. And a basket. Vic Iwako with a huge play there. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Yeah, big victory there. UNLV had lost to Fresno at home, so they get one back at Fresno, rough and tumble game. Bryce Hamilton didn't have a great one, but uh, can't really rip on him. The guy's been averaging uh, about uh, 27 and a half points over his last 10. And some of the other dudes on the team contributing, like Justin Webster, Vic Iwako with some good strips and great offensive rebounds, a good finish there. And David Woka played very good defense as well. You know, tourney week or weeks is coming up here in Las Vegas. And the Pac-12 is one of the really cool tournaments that's uh, been here for years and years and years. Ted Robinson is a longtime voice of the Pac-12 and gives us a couple of minutes to uh, look at the end of the Pac-12 season and the tournament. Ted, how you doing? It's Stephen Willie here in Las Vegas. Hey, guys. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks. And I just can't wait to have fans there. <laughs> for the really, I know. You know. It's been 2019 since we've had the you – know, we had one night in 2020. But uh, just to look forward to be back in T-Mobile with fans is going to be great. Well, let's talk about the conference to this point. We know for the conference tournament, 
the best traveling base is Arizona. If you had told me Arizona would be 12-1 after all the Sean Miller stuff and 22-2 and overall, there's no way I would have believed it, Ted. No. No, I wouldn't either. And, you know, look, we, we all probably missed a little bit of how well Sean Miller patched the team together last year with the international players. Uh, you know, especially the guard, Crease, that didn't play very much because of the, the typical NCAA logjam. He didn't play very much until the end of the year. They didn't play, of course, in the tournament or in postseason. So, anyway... We, we, we all may have missed a little bit of the level of play, but I'm also a believer, guys. They, they cleared the cloud away from the program. And it was a cloud there for a couple of years, and, and you just really can't be right until you get rid of that. And Arizona did that this year. And we're in a different year in the pack than we've had the last couple because we're top-heavy. We have three really good teams, a fourth team in Oregon that's been flirting with looking good, and uh, and then maybe the middle isn't quite as strong as it's been, but that, you know that's that's given the Pac-12 a little more national play because people pay attention to the really good teams. And we've had, you know, two in Arizona and UCLA and a third in USC that's really close to being really good. Isn't it weird the way it works? Uh, you have a good, competitive, deep conference that goes eight, nine teams. It's like the conference cannibalizes itself and actually hurts itself in some ways for, for the NCAAs. And then in this case, you're right. Having four elite teams is probably going to help seedings. Uh, for all of these teams, come tourney bid time. Yeah, absolutely. And here's another thing, guys. This is just me thinking this out loud, but I also think that the process has to change a little bit because the way college sports have changed. So in basketball, we all know that the transfer portal has become dominant. It's Tinder. And, and teams change so dramatically year to year that with no exhibition season, I think there's too much weight given on November and December games, and I think we need to go back to the old way it used to be that your last 10 games were, were more heavily weighted in the selection process. And I know that there's a downside to that. I understand, but to me that's a much better way than now because teams have put six, seven, eight new players together, as we've had several in the Pac-12 this year. How are they supposed to come out in second and third week in November and look really good. But by February or March, they may look really good. And, of course, Oregon has been the poster child for that way of playing in the recent years in the Pac-12. But I just think that you know, in the room, the selection committee, even if it's not a written commandment, I think as the human beings look at that, they need to weigh that more. How are these teams gelling and playing at the end of the year? And to your point, Oregon came together a little later. They're 59 right now. In the net. Uh, Willie's here as well. Good, Willie. Yeah, talking to Ted Robinson with uh, Pac-12 Network, Pac-12 Announcer. You know, you mentioned before the, that the league has, you know, you, you got that top four and then sort of the mid-tier teams. I want to talk a little bit about Washington, who's sitting there in fifth, 8-5 and five in conference play, 13-10 overall. Um, you know, they had... They had a nice little run with Isaiah Stewart. He goes on, and then they have a down year, and, and, and Hopkins gets rid of his staff, rebuild, and now they're right back in it. And he's got that experience. It, it, can Washington be dangerous to any of the top four? Is this a sleeper team? Because it, it's it's sort of a, a, I don't know, Hopkins always has a sleeper team in him. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great question, Willie. And I, I'll tell you, I saw Washington play, I think it was January 3rd, for the first time in person, I saw them play at Arizona, and they didn't win the game, clearly, but they competed with Arizona for much of the game. And I remember walking away with my partner, Don McClain, who both said, that was pretty impressive. 
because the last couple of years that Washington didn't play that way. Even when they had Isaiah Stewart, they didn't compete like that. And they weren't a team. And this looked better. And now they've turned out to be a much better team than we would have anticipated. They're in that mode, as far as postseason goes, they're in that mode where they've beaten all the teams below them. They just haven't beat anybody above them. And they're going to have to beat one of the top three at least once, if not two or three times, to get any postseason recognition. But it's just a much better scenario. The team of Washington is so much better than it's been. And I'll tell you, they are, to me, the best example of, of, of that we have in the pack this year of fitting transfers in, especially Terrell Brown, who played at Seattle U, then played one year at Arizona, now back at UW to finish, and he's leading the conference and scoring. He's been terrific. And he has been the right example of a transfer coming in with a one-year and being able to be the leader of the team, yet fitting in. I, I just think that's a real credit to what Mike Hopkins has done. Pac-12 tournament's coming March 9th to the 12th, T-Mobile Arena. You can get your tickets at pac12.com slash tickets. So we talk about the top of the Pac-12. Let's talk about the bottom for a minute because there's one team. I think the luster has worn off since Bobby Hurley's arrival, much to the delight of some old-school UNLV basketball fans. But uh, what's happened with Arizona State? Yeah, that's, uh, that one's been a turnover thing. And I, I, I'll be honest, guys, I'm not really sure either. I've seen them a few times, but I don't get it. Um, they had a lot of players leave. I don't know why Remy Martin left to go play Kansas. I don't know. Um, because Bobby Hurley, everything he was trying to sell at Arizona State was guard you. And that, you know, used to really still does shape the Arizona people because the <laughs> Arizona's guards, quite bluntly, have been away. You know, their recent history have been a lot better. But anyway, that there, Arizona State's an example of what I was talking about. Bobby brought in a whole new team, basically, and like two, three holdovers but five, six new guys, and it hasn't worked at all. It just hasn't worked. Guys are playing on their own agendas. Um, they just, they, they've never had, in Bobby's tenure there, they've never really had any inside presence, and that's hurt them this year. Uh, and they're, they're just, a, a, really, Arizona State and, and Oregon State, to me, are the examples that I was referencing, where you bring a whole bunch of transfers in, and it's hit or miss, and both of those programs, to me, have been swings and misses this year. Where Arizona State goes is going to be a fascinating thing to watch at the end of this year. Yeah, they've also, you know, you mentioned Remy Martin. They had Jalen House transfer into the Mountain West Conference, and he's had 34 and 42 in two of his last three games for uh, yeah. New Mexico, and he's averaging like 17 points a game. And I'll, I'll be frank on this one. I, you know, I'm from the East Coast, so I got to cover a lot. I actually covered Bobby Hurley when he was in high school, so um, I got to see the way his dad operates. And, it, you know, his father is an all time legendary. High school coach, but a hard-charging guy. Like, no, you know, just you had to follow his rules. And and Bobby's kind of the same way, and I'm not sure that it works with a lot of today's college athletes. Yeah, and that's, look, that's a question, and that's, see, that's a great point because that's an issue that all kinds of coaches are facing today. I, I think we saw it in, in the Pac-12 conference at Utah where Larry Kristoviak, who's a terrific coach, I really like Larry, but there were just a lot of players transferring every year. And at some point, that pattern becomes a difficult one to survive. And that's where I'm, I, I would be watchful of where Arizona State goes after this year because that's the same thing that's happened to Hurley. And by the way, what you're saying, Steve, is fascinating because Bobby Hurley off the court before the games and practices is an easygoing, nice, good guy to talk to. Yep. And the minute the game starts, man, it's Jekyll and Hyde. There's a, there's this inside that snaps. He is a, he is a different beast during 
the games, and I think every official in the Pac-12 was taken aback at first, and they've all now seen it for long enough they're used to it. Right. But, man, he is a different creature when the game's done. I mean, to go back to his dad, his dad was the same way, really – soft-spoken dude but he was also you know his real job was parole officer so you kind of know kind of know the way he operated and, and uh he's a tough guy Let, let's close on this let's go back to the beginning of the conversation and we talked about arizona at the top in a way has ucla season been disappointing are you surprised they're in fourth place what do you think well they just had a bad weekend i mean they're the second be- i think they're the second best team in the conference um they've been struck by first by covid uh, an injury to Cody Riley got hurt in the first four minutes of opening night. So he was out for the, most of the non-conference. Then they get hit by COVID. Then they lose Johnny Juzang to COVID in, in January. And these are things a lot of other teams have dealt with. But I'm just saying UCLA hasn't had the smoothest uh, run, and they're still you know, one of the top. I mean, they're 13th, I think, in the net as of today. So I wouldn't worry about them. I do think they're... To me, I've been very impressed because Mick Cronin has this huge defensive rep, and they've been a very good defensive team. But, man, their offense was really going well, and I think that's stalled. They've hit a little dry spell offensively the last few games that I've noticed, just in terms of players moving off the ball, passing the ball, things that we, you know, fundamental basketball stuff. But for UCLA, it was really noticeable how good they were at it for a team that had everybody back from a Final Four squad. And I think Mick Cronin will have to deliver a little bit of that shock therapy to get them back to that uh, for March, both in the tournament in Las Vegas and then for the NCAs. But they're still real. I mean, as long as their top eight guys are intact, they they have every chance to be a Final Four team. And I think Arizona is absolutely a Final Four team. And I believe USC is as well. And that's the first time in a while I've been able to say that, that we're going to go to March, I think, with three Pac-12 teams that are, it's not, a stretch to suggest that if you know things go right in March, they could be in the finals. Pac12.com slash tickets is where you get your tickets. T-Mobile Arena, March 9th to the 12th. Let's close on this one, uh, Ted Robinson. So I think four are definitely in from the Pac-12. And then the intriguing part of the tournament is you said the middle isn't great, but that means all those teams that are around 500, uh, including Washington and Washington State and you know teams like Stanford, if they can make the run, then they get that auto bid. So that's what makes this thing so intriguing. Yeah, it is, and that's more. Well, look, we saw Oregon State sadly again with no fans, but Oregon State did it last year, so that's going to be the hope for a. Let's say Washington State puzzles because they have a very high net ranking, yet they haven't beat anybody um, of note, and and so they had that chance of playing UCLA tonight at Poly. That's the win that would put them on the map. But um, you know, if, if Washington State or Stanford or Colorado, let's just throw those three teams out there, they could come to Vegas and. Even if you don't win the whole thing, win three nights and beat at least one heavyweight on route, that gives you enough of a boost. Maybe you sneak in there as one of the last four. And that's what makes the tournament great because we saw Oregon State do it last year, and I can't emphasize enough what an amazing thrill it was for the whole Oregon State community to have that happen. And it's allowing them to survive a 180. I mean, they've just completely bottomed out this year. But they have rope because of of joy and the thrill they experienced last March at T-Mobile. Ted, thank you so much. Really good spot. Hey, Steve Willie. Nice being with you guys. Look forward to seeing you in a few weeks. There he is. Ted Robinson, longtime voice on the West Coast. Calls the Pac-12 games, Pac-12 tournament in town, T-Mobile, March 9th to the 12th, Pac-12.com slash tickets is where you can get hooked up with entry. You can also buy all session if you want. Ted's point about 
what the committee is going to do this year when it comes to weighing the end of the season versus the beginning is going to be fascinating because the game has changed, Willie, with the transfer portal. In the Pac-12 right now, where the hell is Oregon? Oregon is 59. Well, they're in the top four in the Pac-12. They're 59 in the net. They're 10-4, and 17-8. Meanwhile... You've got Washington State, as Ted said, who's played no one. They're 14-10, and 7-6. They're 46 in the net. I will mm-hmm. reference something weird in the Mountain West Conference. Utah State is 6-8 and eight in conference. And somehow, some way, Utah State has been in the top 65 yeah. in the net. Meanwhile, UNLV is still outside of the top 100. I'll give you one more example. You know, where I went to school, Rutgers has beaten four top 25 teams in a row. Yep. They're 75 in the net because they lost three games early on buzzer beaters to Lafayette, bad one, bad. UMass, and DePaul. It's like they can't recover from it. Well, and, and then also, you know, in, in, with another metric and looking at Kempom, you have Oregon down at 66. You have Utah State at 52. And above both of them is Washington State. Up at 43, you know, and you look at the strength of schedule, that's going to take that into in consideration. So, by, by the way, this is, I mean, these are some of the metrics they use. They're not right. the only ones. But, no. it, I mean, it also, it also tells you that college basketball is incredibly deep, like all the way down to in the 120s. Yeah. Because teams down there, I mean, we've seen UNLV has been, you know, they were, I think they were 105 going into last night in the net. They went on the road and beat Fresno, who was like 65. They already went on the road and beat Colorado State, so there's there's a lot of depth, and I thought Ted Point is great. There are so many teams with all these transfers, like most of them aren't ready to go and playing premium basketball 10 games into the season. And you know what? I will say this. Um, I, I believe that as, as much as, you know, last year was obviously worse with COVID, but this year when you're seemingly feeling the sense of normalcy coming back to us, right, in sports of all angles, but... When these teams are hit, one, two, three guys with COVID earlier, and then when the Omicron hit, so on and so forth, it's not so much as how the team reacts, especially deep teams. It's when those kids come back. Yep. They need they test negative, but they need time to recover. And I don't think the people, you know, especially the naysayers about the pandemic, I don't think that they realize if they haven't gotten COVID – what it's like to recover from this, plus you're having to go to school, you're having to practice, you're having to get your conditioning back to speed. I mean, you know, even some of the Raiders said it, right, that had uh, that had come down. I want to say it was Denzel Perryman. He was talking about his conditioning. So, you know, I think that that's having a little bit of an effect on some of these better teams that have taken some hits throughout the season. Um some of the times where some kids are down and they're just saying an undisclosed injury, you know, if they don't have to report it or if it's a false positive or it's a close contact, so you don't have to report it. Uh, you know, I think that's taking some effect. So I, I think that college basketball is very, very good this year. I think that there are some teams probably between 45 and 75 that you could throw them in the blender and come up with different rankings and throw them in the tournament. And it'll be interesting to see next month when the selection committee sits down to talk about it and they choose the 68 teams that get in, um, 
you know, what shakes out because there are going to be some qualified and disappointed teams left on the outside this year, maybe more so than we've seen prior to the pandemic when there was legitimate, hey, this was a bubble team, and then, you know, you see what happens in that first round and say, yep, we should have had that team in. We should have had that team in, right? How many times has it been Syracuse, I believe, is always a, a troubled bubble team or a disappointed and uh, – it, you know, I, I sure hope your team gets in, your your alma mater gets in, because I've enjoyed watching Rutgers. I've actually enjoyed writing about them from a handicapping standpoint. So, yeah, I I, um, I agree with you, especially with those 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 bottom ranked teams, and I say bottom meaning toward the end of the tournament field and where they land and where we end up with what we end up with this March. Enjoy Bud Light, Budweiser, and Michelob Ultra for just 77 cents during all NFL games. Get the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes And suddenly you're sighing sighs you're thinking nothing's wrong, you string along, boy, then snap. Those eyes, those sighs, they're part of the tender trap. Oh, yeah. All right, rolling on halfway through the show here. Fat Pack, actually, fat shaming time is here. Man, the last couple of days, going back to a Sunday, pretty rough, Willie, for 150 cent, looking a little puffier. And uh, I saw one of the memes going around was uh, some really. A uh, fat-breasted guy hanging upside down, kind of saying it was 50 Cent. And uh, Fiddy ain't happy. He, he sees it. He sees it. None of the people that are doing this that are say, would say it to his face. That's all I got to say. I, I mean, mean, that's that's 98% of people, 99% of comments it's, on it's, social it's media brutal with and, anyone. It's brutal. And we brought this up one day, and I'm, I'll repeat it, is that, you know, this is a dude who, when he came out, was at the top of his game. Um, he... <laughs> he's. I mean, and, and now he's. 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 I mean, I guess for this era, right? For for even younger than Adam's era, my son's era, he's an OG to there to there, right? For Mateo, he's an OG, fifty cent, and uh, so he's gonna he's gonna get bigger. He's gonna gain weight. He's not gonna stay shredded the entire time. He's not a boxer. He's not an athlete. And athletes gain weight and they get bigger. So can I? Can we go? Can we go down this path? Okay. Um. I'm not saying Fiddy did this, but, like, I know another person who was very heavy into looking good for years and years and years and may have gotten some aid. How hard is it after you're on, again, not Fiddy, um, after you use PEDs, you know, kind of a vanity play to look, you know, look big and buff, what, what does happen to bodies once, you, you know, you're not working out as hard? Can, it, can you potentially just fall apart? You know, weight gain is easier. Uh, well, I could speak from personal experience because I've I've experimented with different with different PEDs and uh, you know with through my doctor's knowledge and I and I'm regularly prescribed testosterone. The testosterone that I'm prescribed is on the banned list for all the pro leagues. Sipinate. So what happens is um, if you go to the extent of taking beyond, you know, and you're running cycles and then you just stop. Your body tends to, you know, as you get older, men, we stop creating testosterone. So when you start putting it in artificially to replace what you 
originally had, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, when you stop cold turkey, your body doesn't just come down to the normal below level that you were. It dips completely. You're going to start retaining water. You're going to start retaining the fat cells that store, the, um, the and they're not going to turn into the cells that can burn fat. So, But that also comes along with getting older and your metabolism slowing down you're you're creating a situation within your body to to do things that it wouldn't normally do at 30 40 50 years old so when you stop doing it and you stop training then it doesn't just come back to a normal level it dips completely it's almost like coming off drugs you your body goes through withdrawals in a very negative way so you know you have to it's it's all about nutrition and diet and if you don't do it properly it can it can affect you negatively the race to the nhl playoffs is here and there's no better place to catch the action than our tom's urban inside new york new york hotel and casino it's the official espn las vegas hockey viewing spot ari this weekend is going to be hosting the watch party at tom's urban that'll be sunday four to seven as the knights are on the road against the sharks you can register to win free vgk tickets to a future game Great menu at Tom's Urban, plus you want to try their signature Red Bull Party Starter. It's a double dose of their Urban Margarita with a hibiscus bomb and a full can of the Red Bull Red Edition. Ari, Tom's Urban, 4-7 to seven this Sunday. Watch the Knights face the Sharks. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. With Brad Powers. All right, let's do a check-in with Brad Powers. BradPowersSports.com, at BradPowers7, up on Twitter as we're live here at Silver 7s. Happy hour is going down right now, 277 on lots of the drinks. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Hopefully all is well on your end. Of course. It's always good, man. It's like the... uh, if there was ever a dead period in sports, it's all gone now that we have you know multiple major league teams, and now gambling has made year-round sports talk so freaking easy, which brings us to the Super Bowl and the handle. Were you surprised that we pushed $180 million in Nevada with the handle for the Super Bowl? You know, a lot of things don't surprise me in this industry anymore, but i got to be honest, I was a little surprised. I mean... Not surprised that you set a record, but I mean it wasn't even close. I mean, oh, it was an extra twenty, twenty-five million. It cleared the record, uh, so I, I was a little bit surprised on that, especially when you consider the two teams. Maybe uh, it was you know proximity of LA. Uh, you know the people betting there. Maybe that played a part. Maybe also COVID. People didn't travel last. You know your Super Bowl to Vegas. Maybe they made that extra, that trip this year. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that played a role, but I mean. To me personally, I didn't think the Rams and Bengals would have that, you know, that kind of draw that would, you know, end up being a $180 million handle, especially when I tweeted with 30 other states now offering sports betting. But I guess nothing should, should surprise me at this point. And, you know, kudos. I mean, that's great for the state, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's legalized gambling across the country. It's trained people to make sports gambling part of their regular life. I do think you make the real interesting point. The true test for Nevada will be when California legalizes sports betting. But here's the thing in California, Texas, Ohio, um, when are they going to do it? Like California may be caught up in nonsense red tape and you've got a whole, um, I know, I think it was what, New Mexico had issues with agreements going back like 15 years about tribal rights. So California might be locked down for like three, four more years. 
it certainly seems that way, and obviously Florida's got news, and Texas, I mean, I haven't even heard anything on that. I will say this, Ohio goes live in April, that's my home state, and obviously I've been following that, so uh, <laughs> three, four years too late, but and that'll be one of the next bigger markets that goes live here in 2022, so uh, you're, you're right, I mean, California, I mean, if I had to bet an over-under, I mean, I, I would take, you know, if you, you set it at, you know, one and a half years, I'd take the over, two and a half maybe would be the, the line that I'd make it at this point. It's at least going to be, you know, two or three years before, you know, California <laughs> finally you know, yep. gets in with the program here. But that doesn't mean they can't host Super Bowls. Well, first of all, I'll say uh, San Fran and Santa Clara, no way. Don't ever do that again. That's a nightmare. The stadium's in the middle of nowhere. They blew that one. L.A. needs to get it, every, you know, every whatever. If there's a five-city rotation, L.A.'s definitely in. Vegas is definitely in. What do you want in the rotation beyond that? Well, I don't want to make it a three rotation, but I understand people wanting to, you know, throw you know a bone or two to some other cities. So my three city, you know, rotation would be L.A., Miami, and Las Vegas. That's it. I mean, that would, if that if it's me being the czar of the NFL Super Bowl hosting cities, that would be it. I mean, I guess you could throw me a bone if you had. In addition to those three cities, you had like a rotation where they'd only get it like once, you know, every four, you know, not four years, but I'm talking like twelve years. You could talk me into like a Tampa or a New Orleans, but uh, I, that wouldn't be preferred on my end. I, I think you, you'd hit a net, you'd hit a home run every time with LA Miami. So no, so no Dallas. Yeah, I mean I could see that. Uh, I mean obviously the venues there, uh, it's you know the, that area very wealthy and it's not too bad there in Arlington, but. I mean, it. I mean, it get cold in Dallas, and I'm not a big fan of cold weather. I know it can get here, but uh, there's a lot of other things you can do here that you can't in any other cities in America. So, uh, I, no, I, I did. I, I'm not a huge fan of it being in Arlington, at least uh, that being part of a regular rotation. And we'll see how Glendale does next year. I think Arizona's a nice spot, but it is a bit, little bit isolated. Now, right down the road from Glendale is Tempe. Can you believe what's happening here with this program unraveling? Uh, Herm Edwards is struggling right now. He's lost uh, his OC. He actually picked up a new OC from UNLV. Um, but now he lost his quarterback today. It looks like Jaden Daniels is on his way out. From a betting standpoint, I mean, it's hard to see ASU checking in with a, a very high over-under number. I just I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, so number one, for folks listening, what a professional transition that was to uh, throw out Glendale to Super Bowl host city and then go to Tempe. I mean, bravo, kudos for that. Yes. Number two, yeah, I was already looking to fade Arizona State. I mean, obviously, I mean, they've lost basically their entire coaching staff. Well, And, you know, if I had to put it over under on Herm Edwards, I mean, this is it. I mean, this is going to be his final year there. And, you know, I'm, I'm not even, you know, I could even see a certain scenario where he doesn't make it to, to this year's football season. So uh, I was looking to fade him already. Not there, at least at this point, as far as what the season win total is going to be at. Uh, last year's team, the expectation was it was going to be one of their best teams in the last 20, 25 years, at least since that you know, Jake Plummer team uh, in 96. Uh, and it just it didn't come to fruition. And they failed to meet expectation in that regard. This year's team is going to take a step back because of the coaching staff and also the personnel losses. And now the personnel loss today, Jane Daniels, their starting quarterback, being announced out. And to me, the more troubling thing is, I mean, you've got players in the locker room 
shooting video of you know them cleaning out his locker. I mean, how did that get posted? I mean, the, the culture inside that building is a mess. So, I mean, I'm a fade Arizona. Whatever that opening number is, unless it's extremely low, I'm going under season win total with the Sun Devils. Michigan. I mean, they had basically Harbaugh go and you know get a taste, a little side piece. He comes back, and they're like, "Please <laughs> come back. Here's more money. We're sorry. Like, wait, why are you sorry? I, I don't understand what Michigan did here in extending Harbaugh out and giving him a raise. I could certainly see that. I mean, you'd have to in today's day and age of college football. What would the SEC do? Uh, they would have probably gotten rid of Harbaugh. I mean, they just. I mean, look at LSU. I mean, my coach wins a national championship. You know, in 2019, he's fired after the 20. You know, in the middle of 2020. Uh, one season, so uh, I, it certainly didn't help Michigan on the recruiting front. Uh, it's not going to help them moving forward, especially when you look at the buyout terms uh, aren't ridiculous. Where you know, if an NFL team does want Harbaugh, and I question that, I'm not sure that they really do at this point. I mean, the, the buyout's not astronomical where anybody couldn't come in there and, and get him. So uh, I, I'll say this. It's probably in line with what he should be making, considering his coaching chops. He was underpaid last year at four million. He was overpaid when he was making nine or ten million a couple years ago, and obviously underachieving that. So, but by I don't the way, have he's, a he's making less. That. He's making less than Mel Tucker still. Well, I mean, Mel Tucker's two and zero against him, so I mean, he should at least from what I've seen the last couple of years on the football field. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm okay. I, I don't think the money's the issue. It's just. His flirtation really hurt the program. Lost both coordinators. Recruiting's not going that great at this point. I mean, do you really want He says he wants to be at Michigan. Well, if you really want to be there, you want to let uh, everything happen the last few months. Yeah, I mean, Herm Edwards, Jim Harbaugh. Who needs these big names when you Coastal Carolina's got Jamie Chadwell down there, and they're already practicing <laughs> out there on the field in the middle of spring practice. How excited are you for Sun Belt football? <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, I'm I'm the one guy that uh, you know there is no no off season. I mean, but we obviously it, when you're a sports radio host, you can bounce from sport to sport, and there are no issues whatsoever, especially with gambling. But for me, in college football, I still don't think there's an off season when you consider you know, especially if you're transitioning from from the NFL, you got the combine in a couple of weeks. Coastal Carolina's already had five or six practices. Their spring game, heck, uh, is I think at the end of next weekend. So. Uh, yeah, there's just not an off season. So, and there's always something to talk about with regards to not just any sports, but you know, football in particular. I I love the football calendar. And you have already gotten started on your on your stuff. We talked about that week after week. You've been working on it. How far in are you so far? That's a great question because I, you know, right before you guys called me, I was actually working on some college football. I, I am. Some goals, obviously, uh, you know, I try try to meet them uh, because there are some certain deadlines, and it's just not oh, football season's here. Let, let, let's go bet it. I mean, it, obviously, a lot of stuff gets released in May, so I got to be pretty buttoned up by May uh, when season win totals and whatnot get released at a, at a lot of the books in town. So I like to have my first set of power ratings March first, like a pre-spring power rating. I like having a post-spring one because I watch 50 spring games and I get a little bit better look especially at the quarterback positions, the guys that are, you know, getting replaced at that spot. So, you know, May 1st is my second deadline. Uh, obviously, then, then there's a lot of prep during the course of the summer. So my, my first major deadline is March 1st. So I mean, you guys do the math. It's 10, 11 days from now. i got to have my 
first set of ratings done.